We here at Stormdar Weather work hand-in-hand with the National Weather Service and other professional weather service agencies as a Weather Ready Nation ambassador. We are avid weather enthusiasts who have studied the likes of Mother Nature for over 30 years. The purpose of this podcast is to provide weather information, facts, and trivia in a manner that is entertaining and easily understood by everyone. Well, hello, and welcome back to the Stormdar Weather Podcast. This is episode 262. I'm Rando, and this is the All Eyes on Friday. Yeah, we're going to talk about that a little later, but uh, Corey's not here, but I do have my best friend returning, Gary. Welcome back. Uh, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yay. Yeah, we talked before the thing. I'm glad you like doing this. This is this is cool. So yeah, it, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get to the pollen in a, in a little bit, but I've got a little frog in my throat, so I may you may hear me coughing uh, a little bit. But anyway, so it's cold in the basement. <laughs> it, it's chillier down here than it is upstairs. That's for certain. Uh, yeah, this always happens in the spring and the fall. Uh, there's one entrance to the basement, really, from inside the house, and it's like way on the wall. And so thermodynamically, it's, you know, heat rises, so it's always really warm upstairs, and it's really cold downstairs. And it certainly gets very <coughs> warm upstairs. Yeah, because, unfortunately, my southern, uh, I mean, the, my front of my house faces the south, and of course, you know, there's a big window. <laughs> yeah. So I felt so bad the other day. I was trying to make it, oh, puberty, <clears throat> trying to make it so uh, you were comfortable because you're working up there. Yes. And I'm working down here and I'm freezing. I'm going upstairs and like, say, feel my fingers and they're like frozen. And you poor thing are up there just sweating. It's like, well, that's why I'm in the basement. <laughs> well, that's not why I'm in the basement, but is, you know, because I thought, well, you like it cooler. Maybe we should flip-flop. You can have your office down here. And... Well, there's a thought in that, except that your studio's down here. Yeah, all my music stuff is down here. <laughs> oh, well. But, you know, once we get in uh, the, the summer temperatures, which uh, we're going to talk about that for next week. I mean, you know, it'll, it's probably going to change, but warmth is on the way. Um, how about that nice soaking rain we had the other day? Uh, I'm sick of rain. Uh, yeah, I think Corey was talking about that too because it affects his job. That K floods. Yes, and we all—I mean, all of our people that watch uh, Storm Dark. Corey posted a video of that, which just—it's amazing. He can only do half tours, and you know, you can't get the full cave experience. I've done it. You've well, you—you you have stories, don't you? Yeah, I've—I've I've done. I've been through the cave many times. Now, this was years ago, right? Yes. Yeah, I was high school age. I mean... Any story you could tell that you won't get in trouble for? I mean, we're way out of high school. (laughs) Um, We got to drop into the cave um, without using the staircase. That was kind of fun. Oh, you got to actually drop in? Yes. Um, Like like repel? Yes. Vertical repel down into the cave. Um, wow. And I am scared to death of heights, but 
going down into dark doesn't bother me. Really? I can't see the bottom. Yeah, but wouldn't that exacerbate your fear of heights if you can't see where the bottom is? No. Really? No, okay. if I can see the bottom, I look down and say, ow, that's going to hurt if I fall. <laughs> oh, I understand. <laughs> I understand. If you're repelling and you can't see the bottom, you just think you're going to keep going. Which is why if you repel on a building, it's okay to go down a building, too, because if you're just staring at the wall, it's five, six feet in front of you. It's not a big deal. Uh, maybe ten, maybe ten to fifteen feet at times, but okay. But still, you're you're just going down the side of the building. If you look down when you're doing it, well, then you might panic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I might find enjoyment in repelling. I don't think I could. Excuse me. I don't think I could do it from way up there. If I was like two or three stories, you know, that might be kind of fun. But that defeats the purpose, doesn't it? Yes. Um. It's. I don't know. It, it it's not bad to do. It's it's something that if you do it once or twice, I don't know the how well you would like it because <laughs> the when you're dropping down rapidly, the experience is somewhat like being on a roller coaster and you don't do roller I coasters. I do not <laughs> do roller coasters. No, that is a big old for me, no, I, I, no, and I don't do roller coasters ever since I, uh, well, got large. <laughs> how, how else do we put this? <laughs> no, that makes it. But you used to love roller coasters, yeah. Or you I, probably I, still do. But. I, I love any amusement park rides, except you know, uh, at some point I got rather too large to fit on them comfortably. Yeah. And of course, you ask, you want to be able to close all the restraints. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. Now you you like the ones that go upside down and sc- oh yeah, like screw around. You know they had those new ones at uh, at Six Flags or something. Or, yeah, Silver Dollar City. Has they have them. one that just yeah. They have they have ones that invert. I would be so sick. Oh, I I no. would I would enjoy I I would enjoy it. Karen did too. I think I've told this story on the podcast before, but you know, we with Logan, my kind of grandson, he was like eight or nine, maybe ten or whatever. Oh, we, we all went to Silver Dollar City. So before she got really sick, and she's like, "I want to ride Thunderation." That was her roller coaster. She loved the roller coasters. And I'm like, "Okay, I'm going to stand here and I'll hold Logan's hand while Grandma goes and you know goes the roller." And she did. Well, unfortunately, I have not been to Silver Dollar City. Um, the last time I was there, Fire in the Hole was the only roller coaster. Really? It's been a very long time since I've been to Silver Dollar City. You know what? We Someday we might go again. I, I may have <clears throat> some connections. I, I, I don't know. but uh. <laughs> <laughs> No, it, it's really, really changed, and it's, it's huge. It's huge. And oh, I yeah. might be subbing there. Uh, at times, I don't know. I mean, that's another story. We're getting off of weather. Anyway, but uh, Silver Dollar City, uh, flooding in the cave, circling back around. Uh, yeah, Corey can't can't give the full cave tour. The, the first part is really wild because of all the stairs. I mean, and the stairs yeah. are like almost vertical, and everybody's going down the stairs, and suddenly, before you know it, you're like 500 feet down, and like that gets freaky for me. And, and the very first thing that you see after you get down to the bottom— you look at it from the top, and you and it looks, you know, flat. Right. Uh, but when you get down in there, and when you get down to the bottom, 
uh, you see the huge mound mound of bat guano. Oh that, yeah, they were like, talking about that. Like, yeah, that's like three stories tall. Oh, you know what? Those bats are really cool. If, if you're if you you don't like mosquitoes, go to Silver Dollar City because there's no mosquitoes at Silver Dollar City. No, no, <laughs> the they bats have plenty eat them. of bats. Yes, yes, yes. So, I mean, what we got in Stormdar headquarters uh, was almost three inches. They were talking about three to four inches for the Branson area. Uh, we came in at 2.98 for the event. Um, what I liked about it, I mean, we had a couple of lightning hits every now and then, but the overall thunderstorm was more like a thunder shower yeah, than it was. It, yeah. it was, uh, it, uh, I don't like the fact that it was wet for so long and, and of course the temperature tanked. Yeah. We, yeah. We're kind of in, in that, that, uh, regime right we now. Have, in you March. know, that, that wonderful evaporative cooling. Yes. Oh, I'm going to give you a, uh, yes. Evaporative cool. You want to explain to everybody what evaporative cooling is? <sighs> uh, okay. All right. Ba- <laughs> ba- ba- basically, as the rain falls, um, the atmosphere is not completely saturated. So part of it evaporates back out. And as water evaporates, the air temperature drops. Yeah, it, you, it has to use energy in order to evaporate that water. Yes. Therefore, all that latent heat is used up. Yes. And yeah. the temperature drops. And that's a normal process. And we all know oh, yeah. it's a normal oh, yeah. process. Doesn't mean that we have to like it. Uh, that, well, that's true. And you know, it's really important that evaporative cooling when we talk about winter weather, because you know, if if it's thirty four degrees and it's you know it's very kind of dry, but then rain comes in or snow or whatever, it evaporates. Well, suddenly now that surface temperature is thirty, and so any rain or snow that falls is going to stick. So it's it's really important. When we talk about winter weather, but still, you know, in the spring, well, and you got down. Uh, I remember in Phoenix, Arizona, um, they had pavilions, and they make use of evaporative cooling in their public parks oh. uh, because they have misters in their pavilions, and the temperature under the pavilion will be twenty degrees cooler than it is outside of it. Now, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, I didn't mean, you yeah. know, that was bad, but I mean, <laughs> but no, that, that's really fascinating. They, they've made an actual functional area out of evaporative cooling. Yes, and they and people in Arizona and in dry climates uh, have, they call them swamp coolers that fit in the windows. Okay. And that's, swamp that's what they do is they... <laughs> have continuous mist falling yeah the mist evaporates it cools the air temperature and they have fans blowing the cooler air in that's it that's and great you can't do that here or in you know anywhere down to the gulf because we get all that lovely humidity oh yeah talking about that summer humidity i mean we're not there yet so that's good no. but you know what with that same a process i've done a weather school on, I mean, it's kind of that same evaporative cooling thing, especially if you're out swimming. You can, you know, when you get out of the water, you can tell if the atmosphere is moist or if the atmosphere is dry. Because once you get it, you know, we've all done it. You get out, out, of the, out of the pool and you're staying up there and the sun's shining on you, but you're cold. 
that's evaporative cooling taking place. All that uh, air, that water, when it you know uses the latent heat to evaporate off your skin, it makes you it cools your skin down. Yes. Even though the sun's on you. <laughs> yes. But if it's humid outside, it doesn't do anything. Doesn't do anything. It just makes you hot, and you know that's why I'd rather stay inside in the air conditioner personally. <laughs> Well, me too, obviously. <laughs> I'm just not an outdoors person. There, there is a limit of the, the temperature at well and dew point on me playing disc golf. I mean, people get out there 115 degrees with a dew point of, of 75, and they're just playing all the time. It's like, no. <laughs> okay, we're old. Yeah, I guess we are. Okay, moving on. Uh, <laughs> uh, parts of southwest Missouri did get a lot of rain. Matter of fact, there was a swath of four to six inches uh, in a narrow band, basically from McDonald County, uh, Grove, Oklahoma, McDonald County, uh, up through Ozark and Sparta. Uh, I think Ava, maybe just north of Ava, but they got just what we call those training thunderstorms it just over and over and over heavy rain just fell uh and they've got they got some issues up there and flood warnings were issued for like a day i mean they they didn't go away for a day and you know like you just said the 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 ground is saturated so if you get these heavy rain there is no place for it to go it can't soak in anymore there's not any thriving vegetation it's it, we're starting but you, you know if you had thick lawns and you know trees and everything it would help but not now no uh there's there's just no it, the soil can only absorb so much yeah and uh, storm sewers could also only absorb so much if you've ever been in a city where the manhole covers pop up oh that's right and, pop off because the water uh, it can only hold so much wow i don't know where all the sewers i mean i guess this like the storm drains not the sewers the storm drains i guess they would run out probably back down to tating como i guess i'm guessing from, from here it would make sense um, I it, doubt. I doubt they're connected all the way. I imagine that there's a creek somewhere here that they dump oh, yeah. into. Well, there's. Well, we call them down here, Gary's creeks. You got some creeks and you know all sorts sorts of things down here. Okay. Yeah. Okay. A, a creek's what I get in my back because we're old. <laughs> Again, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> but you know, since it it uh, it we did get all that rain or whatever, uh, beaver. Uh, dam is letting out some water. Uh, Table Rock has raised. I think the last check was. Uh, I mean, its its top was like nine twenty two or something. I'll have to check. So they've had to open gates. Uh, they right at this point, I think that all ten gates are still open, about a foot, um, which it's quite a sight to see. I went and we went out there when seven of them were open, like gates three, three, five, seven, eight, and nine of the five. Three, five, seven. Yeah, yeah. But no, when we were out there, and then they went and they opened up. Yeah, they opened up the other other five gates. So now it's fully open. And uh, I think Shara and the kids went out there right when they were going to, you know, right when they opened that tenth gate. And I think Corey was going to uh, edit a video or something. Shara is wanting me to. She told me about it, and, and I thought they were going to post it to the site, but I didn't see it. But our friend Matt. Right, uh, his wife Jessica messaged me the other night and said, uh, "You know, her husband Matt took a took a picture of Table Rock 
dam at night. It was an awesome picture. And, of course, Facebook Messenger, on our Messenger, I couldn't get a high-end picture, you know, high-resolution picture. It just wanted to make it tiny. So she uh, had Matt email me this picture, and it was beautiful. I posted it. Of course, give Matt credit. We always give people credit. If you have a really cool picture and we think it's post-worthy, we will always give you credit, so we're not going to steal a thing. Uh, It went viral. And that is awesome. And it should. It's beautiful. I I agree. Yeah, if if you don't go to our site, uh, Facebook, uh, Stormdrow Weather on Facebook, you can see that picture there. Uh, It's yeah, it's down a few posts. And also our group, our Southwest Missouri Stormdrow Weather group we have, we always post to that one as well. Uh, I do I do need to say, though, if people are listening that are only members of the group, we really, really want you to uh, like our main page because that is where all of our uh, warnings come in. We get the warnings going on. And as soon as the National Weather Service pops, you know, pushes the button for that warning, it pops to our page. It does not go to the groups. So that's why we say make sure to get the full experience of Storm Dare Weather, you know, you, to make sure and like our, and follow our group. But our main page is where most of our posting is going on. I just had to, to throw that in there. Um, so I looked at this. I thought this was very interesting. Uh, this little front thing that went through we're having little shots of colder air come in today's high was what 58 i don't know i, I have to no check. idea yeah it was nice enough to be out without a coat for you yes well actually no i wore i wore my flannel shirt i didn't have a coat on today that's true yeah maybe 60 or something uh which, which is nice but it's another little shot of cold air is coming through tonight i mean the the National Weather Service put a 20% chance of showers in here between, I think, 11 and midnight or midnight at 1. But what that's going to do is get mighty cold Wednesday morning. So they are now talking about maybe a potential of frost Tuesday night into Wednesday morning with the temperatures forecasted to be between 30 and 35 Okay, can I make a comment here? Yes, yes, you may. Okay, I get up very early in the morning because I have to work. Exactly. Uh, This morning, there was frost on the windshield, I promise you. (laughs) Oh, I totally believe you. And it was there yesterday as well. Yeah. So, yeah, that frost, yes, the, the forecast of it getting down to 30 okay 30 is cooler than it has been either day that i've went outside but the frost is there has been there yeah yeah and what a lot of people don't understand too is when they give these temperatures that is the temperature that they're forecasting to be two meters off the ground six feet off the ground well six feet off the ground is about the average height of a human being so that's what we will kind of perceive well that leaves two meters still down and that's going to be colored that's why if the temperature says it's 34 degrees we can still get frost because that's on on the bottom okay and also something else mm-hmm. um that's taken from a mean across the area yes and the elevation is not the same everywhere in no the, that's a good point because i we're we're kind of in a valley i mean kind of 
It's not yeah. a big valley you would see like when we're driving to Springfield, but it's 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 a little hill and down, and it still goes down. If you keep going north, it'll go down even more. So that temperature is going to be be colder, and I think that's what shields us from a lot of the wind. When we have wind advisories, the wind blows, but it's hardly ever to advisory criteria at my house. Yes, uh, except for. Um, a certain leap year a few years ago. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, oh, gosh, yes. Oh, yeah, that was uh, 2011. No, uh, 2012. Have... It was a leap year. Okay, yeah, it was a leap year. 2012, so. wow. Yeah, I think we talked about, we recognized, I not, I not celebrate, because you celebrate things that are good. We recognized the 10-year anniversary of this leap year tornado. Wow. And that is 11 years now. But that was weird. <laughs> that was yeah. just a weird, uh, okay. yeah. <laughs> a weird situation. But here's the other weird thing: it could frost Wednesday morning, but then we've got a big dynamic system moving in, which I'm going to talk about in a minute. Corey's not here, so I'm going to have to do the model minute. But that's going to really ramp up the temperatures. So the the low temperatures overnight Thursday night into Friday could be record warm. The forecast low, low, for Friday morning for Branson is 60 or 61. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah. That, so we're going from 30 to 61 in two days. Two days. Yeah, two days. Yeah. but And, and the thing, also, that cold or warmer air has to get here somehow, so the wind is going to pick back up again. Uh, that really, really dynamic system coming in. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about that. Anyway, let's let's talk about the normal high and low right now. Uh, today, this is Springfield's high and low average, 63 degrees and 39. So low 60s and around 40. Uh, so add a degree or two of that for Branson. Uh, next week, 4-3 on Monday, 65 and 42. So our overnight lows next week. Of course, next week's April. Woo! Yay. <laughs> yeah, we're getting in, in, into April. And also uh, Palm Sunday, April 2nd, uh, it, the forecast is going to be absolutely gorgeous. Sunny skies and the high of 72. That's disc golf weather. Oh, it's it's more than just disc golf weather. It's get outside of the house. <laughs> exactly. Because upstairs in my house is going to be 95 degrees and my basement's going to be 40. So, <laughs> so there you go. 58, F- probably. 58, yeah. We need to get a thermometer down here because I'm really curious to, to see that. All right. So let's, uh, you know, there's a big chance uh, ingredients are coming together for a possible severe weather outbreak. So let's get to the next segment. Model Minute, Model Minute, what do they say? It's the Model Minute. I hope I didn't uh, steal Corey's thunder. That's that's actually his drop, but uh, he's not here, so the, oh well. <laughs> Stealing his thunder? Oh, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know, that's for me. Wow, I can't believe I actually said that. I can't believe I said that. I can. But see, normally I would be creative and manufacture that. I just said that out of the blue, and I didn't even think about it. Okay. Well, anyway. So he, he can tell me about it next week. Okay. The Model Minute. Let's, let's, let's talk about this. Uh, the Storm Prediction Center has uh, outlined an area on day five, which is 
for today would be Friday. Uh, for weather, and when we talk about the Storm Prediction Center, day one is always today. So we're recording this on Monday evening. So this would be day one. Tomorrow, Tuesday, would be day two. Uh, so day five would be Friday. They have outlined a huge, huge area of severe thunderstorms, and they have actually ramped up the risk level that does cover Branson. Now, we're talking five days out. Yeah. So this isn't, like Corey always says, you know, what we're getting ready to tell you is not a forecast. This is just we're, we're watching this thing develop right now. Uh, now, day four, Thursday, uh, they've uh, highlighted uh, Kansas and Oklahoma. So this thing is going to be pulling up. Uh, so now I'm going to look at the GFS, if I can get it going here. No, I don't want the sounding. Corey's much better at this than I am. Okay, so right now we're looking at Tuesday, nothing. High pressure's moving in. Wednesday, nothing. Uh, winds start picking up. The isobars get closer. Uh, this is 12Z on Thursday, so that means you subtract 5, so it'd be 7 a.m. So the wind's probably going to start picking up Thursday, get really intense. Uh, and then 6Z Friday, which would be 1 a.m. Friday, uh, some showers are going to start developing and then really start ramping up. Uh, it looks like uh, zero Z on Saturday, which would subtract five would be 7 p.m. Uh, Friday. Now, Friday afternoon is when everybody is going to, that's when all this is going to take place. So I'm going to go to the Canadian and see, oh man, it really has stuff. So the Canadian saying, yep, pretty much the same thing. That, that low it's going to develop, move into northern Kansas. So you've got the trailing cold front. Uh, that low is going to continue moving up to the to southeastern Nebraska. And then a line of showers and thunderstorms are going to develop pretty, pretty much from Hannibal all the way down to, you know, Oklahoma City. And you keep going on that. It really starts ramping up, and we got a chance for heavy rain. Now, according to these models and according to the SPC... The focus for the quote-unquote worst of it, the most intense, we'll say, is slightly to the east of us. So that's probably going to be a timing thing. You know what I mean? It's it's like we, there's still details to be worked out on this thing yet. Yeah. Um, so basically we're getting the back end of the low-pressure system. Well— well, we're, we're, we're getting the worst part. We're getting the, the, the eastern quadrant of it. I mean, yeah, uh, that's where the trailing cold front is going to be because the warm front's coming. That's why temperatures are going to bump. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, it looks like, yeah, so the low, the low is going to go into Iowa. So we're going to get on that, that, that trailing edge of it. Uh, I'm making, I'm doing shadow puppets because Gary can't see my computer <laughs> right now. Uh, but I will say on the back side of this thing, uh, like Iowa looks like some heavy snow. I mean, winter's not over for the northern states yet. It's and let's keep it up there. That, I'm I'm fine with that. But the good thing is I don't see any cold air behind it. And as long as those low pressure systems can keep going north of us, then we have less chance of wraparound coldness coming in so that's you know and it's like i said it's the 27th of march it's going to be april soon and that's really going to get kicked up so we need to have Corey back so he can so he can tell us stuff so <clears throat> anyway do you have any questions about the models uh so or the all right we have storms possible on friday right uh we don't know anything yet um but 
um, any kind of feeling about whether or not the storms will be intense here or actually it's looking pretty good and they're talking about all modes of severe weather so large hail uh they haven't given a a breakdown like once we get to basically it's day two they'll start breaking down hail threat wind threat tornado threat right now uh, all the discussions I'm reading are say, pretty much saying all modes of severe weather possible. That is large hail, damaging winds, and a few tornadoes. Um, it's rare that the Storm Prediction Center does a 30% five days out. That's kind of rare. So that tells me their confidence is really high that but something's going to happen. Kind of makes me wonder if um, in a couple of days we look at it, uh, it'll show a 45 percent uh, only when it gets to day three like right now day four through eight it'll it'll only go 15 and 30 but i know what you mean like once we get closer to it they'll the confidence is starting increasing and it i mean we're five days out and we always say that's not a forecast it's just we're looking at it but confidence is pretty high something's going to happen uh and the i don't think the icon will go out that far it oh may- it will it may not happen here, but it's going to happen somewhere, probably. Yeah, and that's why I was saying it's like the, the 30% uh, risk has St. Louis in, in the, the bullseye of that. So, But we're definitely in the 15. The 15 goes all the way to Kansas. So we're definitely in a 15, but that 30%, uh, I'll, I'll show you I'll show you later. Did I show you this morning? Yes. I did. Oh, I did. Okay. Yeah, it looked like we were in, we were in the orange the 30 yeah, yeah. we're right barely in it. springfield is not that shows you how yeah how on the edge that line is so that's why i was thinking it's we'll probably get some severe weather but the big part will probably be scooting just on the other side so yeah. something to keep our eye on uh like i said we're five days out i would have to watch it i mean that, that's yep. all we can that's do all is you just can do it. okay well let's get to the next segment then are you sneezing? I have been, and <laughs> I've had uh, typical spring allergy symptoms. It's crazy. I'm so glad you turned me on to Zyrtec, Cetirizine, or whatever. Yeah. That yeah. helps. Oh, it helps me enormously. Oh, I know. But I'm still kind of a faucet. And I, like, like and tonight, I've got all this crud in my throat for some reason. That's really good for a podcast. <laughs> yeah. And, and, one, and I am using a decongestant now, so... Yeah. You sound better. Yeah, it, it helps. Oh, I know. But my eyes have been kind of slowing down on the itching, which is good because they were itching so bad I was scratching them crazy. Uh, the The predominant pollens are juniper, elm, and maple. Uh, I think I was a little different last week. I think ash or something was in there. Uh, Monday through Wednesday, you know, today, today through Wednesday, medium high. Uh, Thursday and Friday is high, but Friday... Friday's probably high because of the dynamics of this system. Is probably going to bring all that crap from Texas and Oklahoma. And Oklahoma yeah. up through here. Ugh. Yeah, I don't know about the dust or whatever. Ugh. Yeah, it's it, it's going to get going to get crazy. It's spring. It's going to happen. So, uh, so this week, is, let's get to the weather school. You want to do that? Uh, weather school this week is about the Fujita scale, and I looked. Today is March twenty seventh, and I looked at the last time it aired was March 27th last year. 
Hmm. I don't know why I haven't haven't used this one in a while. So this would be a good refresher of the potential for April tornadoes. So do you know what the Vachita scale is? Yes. Okay. And, and we and we're talking about the enhanced Vachita. Exactly. Scale. That's going to be explained in the weather school. So let's get to that. If there's something about the weather that you want to know, Stormed Our Weather School. We've just learned that a tornado that struck last night was labeled by the National Weather Service as an EF1. Is that a weak tornado or a violent one? In 1971, Dr. Theodore Fujita introduced the idea for a scale of tornado winds. With the help of his colleague, Alan Pearson, he created and introduced what came to be called the Fujita Scale in 1973. This is what the F stands for in F1, F2, or F0. The official Fujita scale category is determined by meteorologists and engineers after a ground or aerial damage survey, or both. And depending on the circumstances, ground swirl patterns, weather radar data, witness testimonies, media reports, and damage imagery, as well as pictures and video, if they're available. A newer scale was publicly revealed by the National Weather Service, at a conference of the American Meteorological Society in Atlanta on February 2, 2006. It was developed from the year 2000 to 2004 by the Fujita Scale Enhancement Project of the Wind Science and Engineering Research Center at Texas Tech University, which brought together dozens of expert meteorologists and civil engineers in addition to its own resources. As with the Vegeta scale, the enhanced Vegeta scale remains a damaged scale and only a proxy for actual wind speeds. While the wind speeds associated with the damage listed have not undergone empirical analysis owing to excessive cost, the wind speeds were obtained through a process of expert elicitation based on various engineering studies since the 1970s as well as from field experience of meteorologists and engineers. The scale was used for the first time in the United States a year after its public announcement when parts of central Florida were struck by multiple tornadoes, the strongest of which were rated at an EF3 on the new scale. The new scale takes into account quality of construction and standardizes different kinds of structures. The wind speeds on the original scale were deemed by meteorologists and engineers as being too high, and engineering studies indicated that slower winds than initially estimated caused the respective degree of damage. The old scale lists an 
F5 tornado as wind speeds of 261 to 318 miles an hour, while the new scale lists an EF5 as a tornado with winds above 200 miles an hour. This is found to be sufficient to cause the damage previously ascribed to the F5 range of wind speeds. None of the tornadoes recorded on or before January 31, 2007 will be recategorized. Since the new system still uses actual tornado damage and similar degrees of damage for each category to estimate the storm's wind speed, the National Weather Service states that the new scale will likely not lead to an increase in number of tornadoes classified as EF5. Additionally, the upper bound of the wind speed range for EF5 is open. In other words, there is no maximum wind speed designation. Now let's delve into the enhanced Fujita scale categories and their definitions. First is the EF0, which has wind speeds of 65 to 85 miles per hour. EF0s are considered to produce minor damage. Surfaces may peel off of some roads, some damage to gutters or siding, branches are broken off of trees, shallow-rooted trees may be pushed over. Confirmed tornadoes with no reported damage, like those that remain in open fields, are always rated an EF0. Next is the EF1, which has wind speeds of 86 to 110 miles per hour. EF1s are considered to cause moderate damage. Roofs are severely stripped, mobile homes overturned or badly damaged, loss of exterior doors, windows, and other glass is broken. EF0s and EF1 tornadoes are considered weak tornadoes. Next is the EF2, which has wind speeds of 111 to 135 miles per hour. EF2s are considered to cause considerable damage. Roofs are torn off well-constructed houses, foundations of frame homes shifted, mobile homes completely destroyed, large trees snapped or uprooted, light object missiles generated, and cars can be lifted off the ground. Next is the EF3, which has winds of 136 to 165 miles per hour. These EF3s are considered to produce severe damage. Entire stories of well-constructed houses can be destroyed, severe damage to large buildings such as shopping malls, trains overturned, trees debarked, heavy cars lifted off the ground and thrown, structures with weak foundations are badly damaged. EF2 and EF3 tornadoes are considered significant tornadoes. Next on the scale is the EF4, which has winds of 166 to 200 miles per hour. These are considered to cause devastating damage. Well-constructed and whole-frame houses completely leveled, Cars and other large objects are thrown and small missiles generated. 
And finally, the EF5, which has wind speeds well over 200 miles per hour. This is considered to cause incredible damage. Strong-framed, well-built houses leveled off foundations are swept away. Steel-reinforced concrete structures are critically damaged. Tall buildings collapse or have severe structural deformations. Some cars, trucks, and train cars can be thrown approximately one mile. EF4 and EF5 tornadoes are considered violent tornadoes. We hope this helps you understand the Fujita scale and how the National Weather Service rates tornadoes. Whenever wind events occur, the National Weather Service sends out a crew to investigate. But not all wind events are tornadoes. Sometimes powerful straight-line winds can cause people to think there was a tornado, but it wasn't. It's up to the crew to determine if there actually was a touchdown and how strong it was, by using the Fujita scale. If you have a question about the weather you'd like us to answer, then send us an email at stormdarweather at gmail.com and in the subject line, put weather question. Well, that does it for this edition of Stormdar Weather School. And everyone should now know the difference between uh, an EF0, which... We have a lot of EF zeros, you know. Oh, well, yeah, they're the most numerous, obviously. Yeah, and the worst, which is EF five, the more Oklahoma tornado. Uh. Well, Joplin. Uh, Joplin, yeah, was a big EF five. Yes. Yeah, EF. So uh, that's we, we're not going back to the F, just the Fujita. We're always in the enhanced Fujita scale now. So uh, it's working, and now we have radar technology that is so good. Uh, we can see a tornado, an actual tornado on the ground on radar now. We oh, never yeah. used to do that. So, and yeah, debris, debris clouds above the tornado. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's yeah. The the handiest thing is the, called the correlation coefficient. It's the most bizarre thing. It took me a while to really understand how it works. You know, I mean, yeah. th- now they have, uh, what was the other one? Differential reflectivity. I have no idea what that is. And they have, oh, shoot, what's the other one? They have another one. Uh, spectrum width. Now, spectrum width, I kind of know. Well, that's in velocity, so. Because it shows areas of tight turbulence. Yes. And so I can see that. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. We're talking about radar. Anyway. Uh, let's get into the next segment, which is in other news. And since we're talking about tornadoes. <laughs> yeah, it seems to fit. <laughs> I mean, if you heard about this, this is nuts. Los Angeles, California. It says gets hit by a rare tornado. The strongest one to hit the co- county since 1983. Now, this is the the second time I've seen this the, the, the tornado warning there. Because there was a few days ago, I mean, before this, not a go, but before this one, I saw there was a tornado warning for around that, or Los Angeles, maybe just northwest of Los Angeles County. But uh, what this one, particular one, it says uh, one person was injured after a rare tornado hit a city just southeast of Los Angeles Wednesday. Uh, the National Weather Service confirmed the tornado 
quote, briefly touched down in an industrial park and warehouse district of Montebello and rated the tornado in EF1. So now all of our people know what an EF1 is. Estimated wind peaks of 110 miles per hour, the strongest tornado to hit the Los Angeles area since 1983. Uh, they, it's called a, they're calling it an intense microcell. Uh, that's what uh, uh, public uh, city information. Uh, Michael Chi, not Jay, not Saturday Night Live, Jay, uh, a city public information officer. That's what he said. Uh, said there was flying debris everywhere, you know, because you don't get tornadoes <laughs> no. in California. No. Um, said it collapsed one building's roof, snapped a power pole, ejected an HVAC unit from the top of a building, broke skylights, damaged cars, uprooted a healthy pine tree with a one-foot-wide trunk. <laughs> the, the that's a big pine. That's, that's, a, that's a big pine. Uh, they, said on, uh, t- they said tornadoes are rare in California with fewer than 10 per year on average, and that's California. Yeah, the, the whole that's a state. big state. It's huge. Uh, and the last thing I want to... Talk about this one. It said these are commonly referred to as land spouts, which are similar to a water spout but over land. The only difference is the more traditional tornadoes they form over rotating thunderstorms, and these they're common here. While the land spouts can cause damage, they're really not usually that extensive. They're they're just suction vortices, it's like you know a water spout. It's usually not from yeah. a rotating supercell. So, yeah, they said 25 mobile homes are down. I mean, you could just go yeah, on. Yeah, and of course it hits mobile homes because that's what of tornadoes co- focus in on. I know, of course. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Actually, the leap year tornado you were talking about kind of focused on uh, the, the Hilton downtown. Remember it blew all oh, the... Oh, yeah, blew all the glass out. <laughs> yeah, that one. And I, I, I keep talking about this on the podcast. That one was had a forward momentum of over 70 miles per hour. So if it had been going... Even 10 miles per hour slower, the damage would have been magnified. It was just going so fast, ripping through everything. Yeah. yeah. That's the only thing I got. Do you have anything special in other news you've seen or heard? Or I uh, haven't seen anything else, but I, I remember a tornado warning in another tornado warning in California just a few weeks ago, it seems like. That's what I was thinking. It's like it wasn't. Quite in Los Angeles, but it could have been one of those land spouts moving on. Maybe. I have no idea. I don't think they give a land spout warning. <laughs> or, I mean, a, a water spout warning. Um, well, or is it an advisory? I, I think that they do. Oh, I, I, okay. I, uh, and the only reason I say that is I've been down on the Gulf, and I've seen a water spout on the Gulf, and... If you're on the beach and you can see the water spout, I guarantee you there are sirens going off. Okay, so they actually would do the the water spout. Yeah, or, yeah uh, water spout. They, they can capsize boats. I mean, oh yeah, oh yeah, they, they still do damage. But yeah. if you see one of those water spouts, don't take your boat and go chase it. It's like we say here in the Midwest: if you see a tornado, don't get in your car and go chase it unless you're a professional. And even then, I mean, in the more tornado. Three meteorologists died. Yeah, yeah. I, and that's because that thing just took a weird turn and caught them. Well, and not to mention the fact that they were literally driving around inside the tornado. Oh, the, I can't it, imagine. It had multiple vortices. Yeah. But the overall tornado, they were inside the tornado. 
and driving around. I can't imagine. Oh, that's right, because the, the thing was like, what, two miles wide or oh, whatever? Oh, yeah. And they couldn't see the edge of it. Oh my God, that's like fly, that's like hanging out in the eye of a hurricane. Yes, but the hurricane you can actually see the the eye wall. Yes, which is another weird thing. And I think next week Corey uh, may have some information on hurricane stuff. So, well, we'll it's not it's not, not there yet. But, but July typically is the start of hurricane season. June first, June first, June first to November thirtieth is technically now that is Atlantic. Uh, in the Pacific, Corey educated me about this. In the Pacific, uh, it starts in the middle of May, like two weeks earlier, and I think goes until there. Yeah. So with the names, he may have mentioned the names. Oh, I think he did on one podcast. Anyway, we're we're, we're getting closer. <laughs> we're getting yeah. closer to Hurricane. Yeah. And I keep checking that Hur- National Hurricane Center just to say, you know, maybe there's something out there that I'm not aware of, you know, that may have popped up. Well, they, they were showing something... I don't remember. Back in even in January, they had a cluster of storms that they were giving percentage. You know, oh, like a disturbance. Yeah, giving predictions on whether or not it would form into a tropical depression. Is this Atlantic or Pacific? Atlantic. Atlantic. Yeah, coming off of the coast of Africa. Um, uh, Holy cow! Little system of storms, and it was back in January. Wow. But yeah, it's. (laughs) <laughs> That's all Florida needs right now. It's just more hurricanes. Anyway. <laughs> okay, I think it's about time to get to the last segment. It's the weather word of the week. It's time for the weather word of the week. So we're going to toss that to Gary, as we always do, since you're the only other one here. Uh, <laughs> so Gary, tell us, what is this week's Stormdar weather, weather word of the week? Gully washer. A gully washer. Now that sounds kind of hillbilly-ish in a way. Well, uh, yeah, I would say that. Um, I mean, is is it akin to a toad strangler? I would guess that it's probably close. Okay, to a toad strangler. Okay, well, with those phrase, exactly what is the definition of a gully washer? Okay, uh, extremely heavy fall of rain, usually a short duration, uh, cloud burst. Uh, yeah, you know, I've heard it called a cloud burst. Just like all of a sudden when they say the sky just opened up and you got like an inch of rain with like 10 minutes or something. Okay, and uh, or la- something like la- that. last summer in Springfield, um, downtown, you may have seen... Um, on the news, uh, there was a guy in a kayak going down the street <laughs> uh, because um, the water literally got uh, four feet deep oh in, in the lower sections of downtown. No and way! It, yeah, that you, you couldn't drive through it. There's no way. I think that's a little more than a gully washer, though. Yeah, <laughs> well, 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 it was a gully washer that occurred where there's no gullies. <laughs> I think they call those floods. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a flash flood for certain, and and yes. and a gully washer would be something that would, you know, produce a flash flood. Exactly. I'm going to give you a ding. That's true. If you get a gully washer, cloud burst, or a toad strangler here 
I mean, you're going to get tremendous amounts of rain in a very short period of time. And it, it usually uh, summertime, because when you have all that juicy, juicy atmosphere and you got that cap that's that's in the you know that's in the atmosphere, and all of a sudden that cap breaks and boom, you got all that moisture going way sky high, and it has to be cooled and come down somewhere. Yep, and of course the other thing is in the summertime, especially. Where the, I think gully washer probably comes from, you know, all the dry creeks in the area. Yeah, the gullies, um, sure. All the gullies. And um, a gully washer, well, during the summertime, it bakes the soil until the soil, the water doesn't penetrate it well. It just runs on the surface. Exactly. So the, you get that heavy downpour of rain. It washes out the gully. Everything, all Makes the tree sense. limbs and everything else comes screaming down with the water. So You're a good splainer. You know that? Uh, I've been doing, you know, weather things for a little while. That's why I like having you on the podcast, because you know your stuff. You know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I don't know if we're going to have a gully washer on the thing on Friday. I mean, ugh. I just really encourage people, just keep watching. You know, the placement is going to move around uh i don't think any anything's going to happen thursday maybe overnight beginning overnight thursday but the main system will be shooting through friday into friday afternoon and that's going to be absolutely nuts and you don't have to go anywhere friday do you i do not and i'm, I'm gonna try not I'm, to oh no i have to maryland's got to record oh well okay you'll you'll bet it'll be It'll, it should be short. It'll be and it'll be here in town. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and Corey will be in the cave, so that means Stormdar. You have to work, so that means I'm the only yeah. one to run Stormdar yeah. at that point. Yeah. That's okay. We could do it. Yeah, I'll, I'll be working upstairs, but yeah. You know, um, I, I need to train you on how to how to how to do that. Yeah, not happening. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we have enough money to pay you anyway, so. Uh, well, good, you know, because yeah, because we're not really making any money. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Well, Gary, thrilled to have you on the podcast again. This is fun for me. Well, I'm I'm glad you did because I enjoy myself when we're doing this. So, yeah, and you know what? You know what I need to do now after the podcast? Fix dinner and make, <laughs> and make cookies. I'm going to make some cookies. So, Mom, I know you're listening to this. I'll bring you some cookies tomorrow. How about that? And I am looking forward to having fresh cookies. <laughs> cookies too okay well you got anything else for we for for end this thing uh not that i'm i don't know of anything else i think right. that this is enormous fun and hopefully everybody is not too bored with me being on here uh i highly doubt that i think uh we'll, we'll get con- well, i'll get i'll get uh my my buddy brad's like okay what do you think about this <laughs> he'll tell me in private and then i'll tell you anyway i hope all of our listeners enjoy this uh I, I enjoy it. So as long, long as, uh, you know, the waters don't rise. What is that? The, the creeks don't rise and we don't get a gully washer. Or whatever yeah, it is. As long as we don't get a gully washer, no, everything will be fine. I'm going to give myself a buzzer on that one. Yeah, because I don't know what I'm doing. Okay, well, I think it's we're going off the rails. So it's time to, to wrap this thing up then. <laughs> All right, so be sure to look for us on Facebook at Stormdar Weather. Like and follow our page and be sure to like or comment on our posts to have them show up in your newsfeed. You can always contact us through our Facebook 
through our Facebook, <laughs> I can't even talk, through our Facebook page or send us an email to stormdarweather at gmail.com. Also, check out our website at stormdarweather.com. You can get lake levels on there, too. Okay, well, that does it for this time. So join us next week for the next edition of the Stormdar Weather Podcast.